1: The Around the NFL podcast is 100% USDA credited (laughs) me. From
2: the Chris Wessling podcast studio. Damn right. Not really. It's Around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis.
3: Just got a hero here a lone wolf, Greg Rosenthal. Not the lone wolf. Uh, that, that's an accurate money drop because the the two biggest meat eaters on the podcast, really the three biggest, including Erica, who puts down some steak. Uh, you know, we're here, and the one that does not eating meat is not here.
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Puts down some steak. I feel like. That was that was nice.
3: We were there. We well, were there. Saint but- Elmo's. <laughs> yeah, you think you I'm not
4: yell- gonna eat my like sixty five dollar piece of meat?
3: Absolutely. And the only reason I it really comes to mind is because you berated the rest of the table like for uh, who didn't finish their steak.
4: Well, I just can't. You're just uh, yeah. I guess you're just little. <laughs> you're just little men.
3: Yes. No, Mark Sessler,
2: uh, <laughs> who. Uh, Gave us a text uh, early this morning that he was under the weather. And that was, that's, a, that's a shame. And he, he, he hopes to be back for the TV show tomorrow. I do worry about Mark. You know, he's a um, very close person to us. Uh, in fact, why don't we give him a call? Why don't we just check in on Mark and see? And I know, Greg, what you're thinking. You're saying, oh, what are you doing? You're going to check to see if he's actually
3: sick, like one of those things? But I, w- I wouldn't put that out there. But maybe you just check in on him, see how he's doing. This is a surprise, and it uh, could go in a lot of directions. So I'm excited. I'm Ricky, you got his chaos. number? I wouldn't be so bold as doing this plan. This is a Dan plan, to be clear.
0: <laughs> Thank you for calling NFL expert and podcast extraordinaire Mark Sessler. Please hold and enjoy these snazzy tunes. Thank you for holding. Mark will be with you soon. Weird. What up, biatch? Hey, Mark. What's
2: up, buddy? You got a second? Let's do this. (laughs) Uh, Really sorry to uh, hear you're under the weather. I hope it's a a quick thing and you're back on your feet soon. Thank you for saying that. Oh, yeah, no, no problem. I know you must be upset to be uh, missing our discussion on Bruce, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles in Tampa. Anything you want to share there?
0: This is a huge story.
2: Indeed. Indeed. Just want to let you know me me and Greg are holding it down today, but you're missed and uh, can't wait till you're back.
3: Well, you nailed it, Dan. I think we just we stay right there with that.
2: Greg, do you have anything you want to chime in with?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Just just want to know how you're feeling, Mark. Greg, an excellent point by you and a great article on the site. <laughs> <All> right, <man. laughs> Thanks. I didn't know you've been reading. I really appreciate that. <laughs> All right,
2: man, we won't we won't keep you any longer. I'm annoyed now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Later.
3: Check you later, Brock. There you go. He sounded maybe a little under the weather, but also that's the same old Mark. He sounded good, actually. That encouraged me because I'm I'm worried about – I was worried about the broadcast and just how he's feeling. That just sounded like Mark being Mark.
5: Yeah.
2: We we did indirectly – I wouldn't call it a threat by any uh, means last week that we are continuing to cull data from his voice to build a Mark AI bot, and then he misses a show the next week. It's almost like that didn't scare him straight. So – Just know that we have powers and maybe he'll learn. Everyone's replaceable in the future.
3: Maybe he's in a better place right now. He did tweet um, 17 hours ago as we're taping this. It was his last tweet that he was desiring to live in hillside worlds where an entire day is staged around watching a dense karate epic from a lush couch with white wine and takeout meals, which does sound nice. Sounds nice. Sounds nice. Sounds like something Jason Zumwalt uh, I talked to him this morning,
4: and he did say that he really wasn't feeling well. He really was like, I really don't feel good. Of course. Yeah.
2: Well, we didn't say that he's No, not. I know. I know. What so, are you insinuating?
4: I just want to put put that out on the record that he he was sick this morning, for sure.
2: You spoke with him?
4: I, d- I Cause texted. Because I just spoke with I te- him. I te- I, yeah, he sounded better right just now than than earlier. This morning it was, it was text only.
2: Okay. A lot of show to get to today. It's just the two of us with Ricky, so we're going to have to... Soldier, soldier on Mark, uh, Greg. Luckily, we have a guest coming in, a friend, a colleague, Brian Baldinger, one of the best in the business. And I I liked your idea for how we're going to dig in with Baldy. Baldy on the big stuff.
3: Baldy on the big stuff. It's been it's been a while. I could hear Baldy talk about anything, the small stuff, the medium stuff. Uh, But I would like to get sort of his take on this side, this seismic movement that was so many, so
2: many big moves. Uh, Free agency going wild. The trade tsunami has been just leveling the NFL in a lot of ways. So we're going to get to all that. The big stuff with Baldy. But before that, let's do some news.
5: I have a job now and uh, I kind of love the title's pretty good. (laughs) We'll figure out what the hell it means soon. (laughs)
2: We're going to get to Bruce Arians in just a second. That is Bruce Arians from his goodbye. I'm no longer a head coach press conference, and I was probably pushed out of the job by my quarterback. (laughs) Um, But uh, he's right. That is the goal that we should all have, both you and I, Greg, everyone listening at home, everyone behind the glass. You want to get that brass ring, sure, but what you really want is the senior consultant gig, which means you don't really work but you get an office and you get a nice steady paycheck to do nothing at all.
3: John Elway has that role now in Denver. He, he used to be the GM right. in, in a much more important role, but he has that role now. That would be nice. I, I don't know. They used to have those sort of roles, actually, at the NFL. Do you remember about about mm-hmm. seven, eight years mm-hmm. ago? There were certain, like, relatives of people who would just get in office and they would never show up. Uh, and there was you know a certain level of management that it wasn't at the top. It was sort of middle top. And they weren't really around. It felt like legacy <laughs> jobs. I feel like they've gotten rid of those jobs, though. I don't. Listen, and you could speak specifically to
2: our company if you wish to continue down that road. But I will say this. Um, those jobs still exist. Oh, it's a major
3: aspect of corporate America. I, I'm sure it is, and I like that Arians is when he made that joke here, was sort of admitting like, oh yeah, this is not a real thing. I don't think anyone. <laughs> what I liked about anyone. It. I don't think anyone really sees him as a front office guy who's going to be grinding. Uh, and even Tom Brady and in his Instagram message to Bruce Arians seemed like it had been written a long time before. Uh, it happened because I mean he really was it was well written and and long for to have right after Arians retired. Uh, he he noted how much more time Arians would have with his family, so I, I don't think it's going to be a heavy. We know that matters to Tom Brady.
2: Yeah, so uh, Bruce Arians uh, reported on Sunday and then the press conference today. Bruce Arians retiring. He'll join the front office in uh, limited capacity. 69 years old, said it had nothing to do with his health. He's had health issues through the years. This is more just about where he is in his life a year after winning a Super Bowl. Tom Brady comes out of retirement. He leaves uh, in like a... Listen, we talked about it on the network. There's a... There's some red strings you could take out here and pretty easily piece this together. The season ends for the Bucs. Brady retires. There are reports connecting Bruce Arians' level of work ethic, not connecting with how Tom Brady likes to do things, and in general, some butting of heads. Brady's retirement lasts 40 days. He comes out of retirement, and then after a perfectly acceptable amount of gap time, I believe it's about three weeks, Arians disappears from the picture. Here's Arians speaking on that. Is there uh, any uh, rift between Brady and the coach? Brady was sitting in the front row, as I
5: understand. Uh, No, we have a great relationship. I mean, uh, of all the players who are, there are a few in here. Every one of them's gotten cussed out, uh, including him. So that's just part of me, you know? So there's nothing new, but we have a great relationship. I mean, as soon as he retired, I think we text every week. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? When are you gonna play golf? Uh, when are you getting back down this way? And uh, so, <laughs> people got to <the> write. <laughs> I mean, mm. and uh, it couldn't be further from the truth.
3: They ain't playing golf, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll let, we'll get into this Brady thing first. I do want to get to the Arians' legacy of it all. He is a great coach, and there's a lot just to to give him his flowers there. But this stuff is interest. How is it not? Some of the timelines here just don't add up. Jay Glazer reported that Arians started to think about stepping back after Brady returned. But Roy Cummings, who's a Hall of Fame voter, Tampa Bay Times has covered that team better than anyone, says Brady knew. Brady knew when he returned, either the day he returned or the day after he officially uh, announced his return, that Arians was leaving. And I just I believe that we we heard a Sparrow. I heard a Sparrow and it was secondhand. I, I'm like Dan Hansis. You got to have multiple sources, you oh, know, so it wasn't, source, it, wasn't, source. it wasn't it wasn't something I was comfortable with going publicly. Uh, but was someone who was a secondhand info uh, with with someone inside the building there that said this was going to happen. Our ATN pre- deep throat. A deep throat. Uh, he knows who he is. Maybe he even wants a shout out. I don't I know. Actually,
2: I, well, don't say because I texted him okay. and I, I said I think you have a role on the show now as our ATN deep throat, and I was thinking we could bring him on the show in the future and modulate his voice. <laughs> that, that would be you good. Know?
3: I don't know if he has anything beyond uh, bucks uh, information, you never but know. That, but that's still. Hey, look, they're they're a Super Bowl favorite. So they he said this was coming, and he was absolutely right that Brady, whether he exercised um, an ultimatum. Or whether it's just like soft power. You know what I mean? Like everyone inside, the, if we're hearing this stuff, everyone inside the building kind of knows the score. Brady goes to London. He talks with ownership. He might not even need to say anything, but he can kind of make it clear uh, where he's at. And and then the wheels start going in, in motion. And maybe it's for the best. Bruce Arians didn't sound like he was as invested last year as you would want your head coach to be. And like, what a what a better way to leave than to leave it to all your friends, Todd Bowles, Byron which He did set it up nicely.
2: Yeah, it's set up well. And Todd Bowles, who's a complete opposite personality to Bruce Arians, which isn't good or bad, he's just very different um, as a personality. We'll see how he does in this job. It is it is important to note this is Bowles' second chance as a head coach. He, he was with the Jets for four years and had one winning season and then a lot of losses. But he was also – with the jets right in the smack and i'm hope i'm hoping they've they're starting to come out of this now but when they were as dysfunctional as any team in the league and so terrible with their draft record and it, it felt like Bowles had no chance uh in that setup now with the bucks he has a very good setup in place with a hall of fame quarterback with perhaps the best quarterback ever uh leading the way and back and still motivated so i like Bowles's chances of of uh uh picking this up and, and continuing the winning. I think the NFC is pretty wide open, Greg. I think there's no clear, like in the AFC, you, you look at all these def- big Titans now, uh, maybe not the actual Titans, sorry, Gravedigger, uh, and the NFC is wide open. So the Bucks, the window's still open for him.
3: Oh, absolutely. I think that the first over-under win totals were released uh, this week, and I, I believe the Bucks had the most in the NFC which totally makes sense to me. They've had some transition in terms of their roster this year, but it still looks great. They're the team with Brady. The Packers were were right there next to him. And Bowles is going to call plays, which I like because he's really good at that and you would hate to lose that. Uh, They announced Casey Rogers and Larry Foote will be co-defensive coordinators. I mean, it is an incredible staff. A lot of coaches talk about trying to do the right thing in succession and all that. And even if Aarons' hand was forced here, it doesn't change the fact that he's about it. Like, he brought these men to Tampa from uh, Arizona, and it's not just because they're black and he wants to promote diversity in the NFL. It's because he knows that it's almost like a market inefficiency, that not enough of these great Black coaches are getting hired, and so he's gonna be the one to do it, and he's benefited. His last two stops have been incredibly successful. And so there's a lot of Brady fans out there and a lot of sort of uh Brady wanted Arians gone and, and that was a, a tricky relationship. And I buy all that, but Arians also helped Tom Brady a lot. Like this was a different offense and a different system that he put Tom Brady into. It helped make Carson Palmer an MVP candidate late in his career, changed his whole career arc. And I think it helped Tom Brady take advantage of his big arm. Like he was not throwing these bombs, Dan, in New England, and he was throwing it in Tampa. And yes, maybe it took – Tom Brady and Leftwich kind of putting their foot down after the bye week in the 2020 season to fully maximize all Brady, but you can't tell me he's not a different quarterback in Arians' system and more effective, like and more fun to watch, which is certainly
2: what I care about. certainly more effective. I wonder if. Things re- had gotten a little stale in yes. New England, and the personnel was inferior, vastly inferior. Uh, and we learned that a gradual decline, in, in fact, was not taking place with Brady uh, from a skill set side. I I think at the end, though, when I look at this whole situation and how it all played out, um, first of all, beautifully done by Tom Brady, if, if this is what I think it is. Uh, it felt like a perfectly orchestrated hit. And, and Brady ends up winning because Brady always wins. And Arians retires, quote-unquote, But he also gets the shiny press conference and he gets the owner saying, you're in our ring of honor immediately, even though you only had two good seasons. Uh, Oh, come on. He won a
3: Super Bowl. You go in the ring of honor if you win a Super Bowl. All right.
2: (laughs) Bowles very neatly elevated to head coach. Uh, It just felt like it it was very pat and handled. A sensitive situation, a potentially explosive situation, uh, if indeed the coach and the quarterback were no longer on the same page, they get their quarterback back, they get the coach out without the coach going nuts about it, they handled this well.
3: It's true. This is how business works. It's like the people at the top don't ever get any blood on their hands. It's just like passive-aggressive stuff and everyone knows who what everyone wants. One of the the pieces of evidence I think that's strongest in terms of Brady's role in this is just listening to Bruce Arians from earlier this month. I mean, if you heard him at the Combine, it almost felt like he was trying to score points against Tom Brady, saying how much credit Blaine Gabbert deserves <laughs> and that there's no chance Brady's coming back. We we have some sound that I, that I think speaks to what I'm talking about.
0: Do you find it odd at all that he hasn't really
1: firmly... So slammed he, the door shut. He slammed it shut when I talked to him. So I like it. I think, like a lot of these guys, and he likes to have his name out there.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a guy who I think had uh, the inside track of what was actually going on. I, I do wanna, I do feel bad, kind of like raining on his parade on his last day. Don't, I, I think don't of, feel bad for Bruce. No, I don't feel too. Bruce bad. is fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like I, I do Bruce think of the okay. joy that he brought. Uh, us Just as football watchers and Wes specifically, Wes loved him some Bruce Arians. He loved that Cardinals team, that Bruce Arians coach. I would say if I had to come up with a team that Wes loved the most in our entire the true team run, of West T.L. In the entire run of the Around the NFL podcast, it was the Bruce Arians Cardinals. And I think part of that was uh, this bombs away – I'm not going to worry about what's going to go wrong. I'm going to go vertical. I'm going to be fun to watch. I'm going to let my players. Trust your players. You know, be who they are. And uh, and he really was a great, great quarterback whisperer. That's what his book's called, and he is the dude that did that. Who else helped Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Palmer, and Brady? No one else has a resume quite like that. And just made a lot of fun football. Uh, so I appreciate that. Has he retired? The Steelers are already trying to retire him. That didn't happen. <laughs> that that happened once. They released the, the statement have that him. Bruce Arians retired. That's right. I forgot the Colts part of it too. Andrew Luck. I mean, this man. This man did touch a lot of uh, great quarterbacks.
2: It's good to be well. I guess touched by great quarterbacks
3: too. It's true. It I, all worked out.
2: I like Bruce Arians. I love. I love. He's going to be missed because the the coaches and again Todd Bowles. He deserves a second chance. He has paid his dues. He has succeeded in that organization but he will not be giving you any sound bites. That is not what Todd Bowles does. I followed him with the Jets for four years. Bruce Arians is a character, and the more characters, the better. Wait, what did he better. say? We
3: lose, we booze. But also, we win, we booze. And Bowles <laughs> pointed out, he, Bowles does not smoke. Bowles does not drink. Bowles does not swear. But I think he has the respect of everyone there. And I think you get a little bit of the the personality and the offensive uh, genius there in Byron Leftwich. in terms of you have kind of the next generation Arians uh, in Leftwich, And I, I think he takes over the offense. And I think Brady loves that because it seemed like those two dudes were a lot closer than Brady and Arians were.
2: I do have a, a quick Todd Bowles story to share from the combine in February. Please. Walking through the lobby of our hotel, I turn the corner out of the elevator heading towards the bar and coming in the doors from outside. There he is, Todd Bowles. He's a big man, by the way. Former NFL player, of course, of safety. And Todd looks at me and I can tell he recognizes my face. He must watch NFL Network or something, you know, or maybe he's a huge fan of our podcast. Right? You never know. And he's looking at me, but he doesn't know my name. And he's like, eventually he just goes, hey, man, this is a big place. I was like, yeah, it is, Todd, it is. He's like, you know where the front office check-in is? I was like, right there, Todd. And tell he's still looking at me, trying to, like, place the face. He's like, (laughs) all right, see you later. I said, later, man. That was my Todd Bowles story. It's, it's good. And now he's Tom Brady's head coach. You see, it's a good story. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Todd Bowles was the coach when uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick Jets uh, beat the Patriots in overtime. Remember when uh, Bill Belichick won the coin toss in OT and elected to kick off. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile,
4: Todd Bowles was just trying to figure out if you worked there or not. He was just (laughs) like, can I ask this guy where the check is?
2: I was wearing a name tag. Uh, (laughs) All right. Anyway, here we go. Let's move on here. Speaking of our league, the NFL, they've heard Nick Shook put it well here in the article on NFL.com. The NFL has heard your cries and adjusted accordingly. In the postseason, the league's owners approved the change to overtime rules on Tuesday that will ensure both teams will both teams will receive a possession in overtime. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport later added that the vote in favor of the rule change was twenty nine to three. This rule will only apply to the playoffs where the advantage has statistically been more skewed toward the team winning the uh, OT coin toss. They're 10-2 and 2 in such contests since the previous OT format began in 2010 uh, than in the regular season. So always good. Uh, speaking of Wes, he used to um, applaud that the NFL was a league that was always open to changing and evolving with its rules. Uh, and in this case, once again, they're going for it. They're trying to make this better, and I agree with it.
3: Yeah, I I don't have a hot take either way. You, we don't have to have hot takes on everything. No, sometimes I, you can just agree I, too. I'm just, yeah, but I, I, I w- was said on this podcast, I would have just kept it how it was, but I'm also fine with this. I got like some tweets be like, I hope you slam on this overtime rule. It doesn't make sense. It's like it's fine. Why would you slam it? Why do we have to slam everything? <laughs> we don't. But in this case, I, I said I like the time. I like the time aspect because to me, football has a time element to it. And just like who's ahead at after 10 minutes to me makes sense. And then maybe su- sudden death if you wanted to do that. Because some of the issues of both teams get it once are still there. I think like people were just realizing this week, you know, if, if each team scores, then it's sudden death. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but at least both quarterbacks got on the field.
3: Sure. So it's fine. Yeah. I, and it doesn't happen that often either. Uh I think there's been eleven overtime games actually since the last rule. So that that's fairly often. It's more than you would have expected. Uh it's about one a year almost. So it it's it's not like a h it's high leverage in that it's the biggest games of the year. And obviously you think about the Super Bowl with the Falcons and, and the AFC championship Pats Chiefs and, and Bills Chiefs last year. Uh so it's huge. But it's also one game a year. Well, I'm rule, not gonna, I'm not gonna like go crazy here. And it feels
2: like these big rule changes occur when something crazy happens in the previous playoffs. Remember, the pass interference rule was a direct reaction, in terms of putting it over the top, to the Saints getting job in their Rams playoff game. This one obviously is directly connected to Bills, right. Chiefs, and Josh Allen playing a level of quarterback that we've rarely seen, not being able to get the ball. In overtime. And you know what else, Greg? Again, sometimes it's just, to me, a good rule. I think goal. it's good. I, think I, don't it's worth, I don't think you need it for the regular season. But I think in the playoffs, you give yourself that extra cushion to let the, the best team win that game. I'm um, for it.
3: I'm fine with that. And also, remember when they changed the NFL defensive holding rules because Bill Polian was in charge of the All rules right. committee and he was a big, whiny baby that Peyton Manning <laughs> kept losing? Developing news. Is this from
2: ESPN? Do they have it first? Because I credited Schefter on different news last week, and Ian texted me. Ooh. What's your deal, dude?
4: Well, it came from Richard Sherman first.
2: Okay. Well,
3: that's, that's we want
2: who ha- breaks it. Yeah, All yep. right, so Richard Sherman, and, and here's but a But te-
4: Jordan Rodriguez confirmed it. It's a five-year Ian deal. Ian
2: confirmed it. All right, Ian. let me see. This is what the news is. Former Seahawks Pro Bowl linebacker Bobby Wagner is signing a five-year, $50 million deal worth up to $65 million with, of course, the Rams uh, per league sources. So Wagner stays in the NFC West. He goes to the Rams because, of course, the Rams are, if nothing else, Greg, they're uh, predictable. And uh, <laughs> you knew, like I had, I had connected the dots of, Clowney going to Los Angeles because they like veterans that are maybe on the wrong side of 30, but still have juice to take them over the top. And and the latest now is Bobby Wagner, one of the
3: great linebackers, uh, perhaps the greatest linebacker in Seahawks history. And to me, this is just ultimate respect from a team that had to go against him the most. Like Sean McVay knows that Bobby Wagner isn't quite at his peak, but he knows Preparing to go against Wagner twice a year for the last five years—what an incredible challenge that is! What incredible intelligence Bobby Wagner has! Uh, how great he is stopping the run and like, wow, what we could do with that guy! Because if he doesn't really fit their team-building process in general. In general, they they don't pay any off-ball linebackers. You got to save money somewhere. They just draft guys in the middle rounds. They never pay an off-ball linebacker. They did it here because it's Bobby Wagner and just because I think they feel like they know him so well after going against him twice a year. And I trust their track record. Yep. I, I know the Rams, uh, you may look at that
2: contract and given that Wagner maybe has fallen off a little bit in recent years, uh, that's too rich, blah, blah, blah. But they, the Rams are very upfront. They're a year-to-year organization.
3: They're in it to win it. And if but we if, keep saying that, but they're always in it, so right. they're the most winning franchise. And they finally won it, right? But yeah. they've, they've been winning, is my point. Is uh, since McVay showed up there, they're second in wins behind the Chiefs, and so they've won every year. They haven't had a first round draft pick that whole time, not literally, yeah. not once. And to me, it's that they, they are inspiring how other teams are doing. And I bet this deal, when you break it down, will be something like two for 18. It's just, it's just fine.
2: I think the question with the team building of the Rams, and again, you can't really be critical of it because the Lombardi trophy is in their lobby right now. Um, but... Will the bill eventually come due and there'll be, you know, a shipwrecked franchise for half a decade? I don't and, think that's how it works, though. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know so if anymore. that's how it works. If it does, if there actually is a bill to pay, if you build this way, where you keep trading all these top draft assets and keep on bringing veterans and putting out all, spending all this money, is there a, a, a downside to it? Or maybe if you run your organization the right way, Yes, you are showing people that you can do it this way as well, and that becomes the trend because, you know, the NFL is filled with followers up and down. I think
3: we've seen it. I think they've impacted how teams have have approached this offseason, and they have these guys that I look at their roster that'll be there a long time. I guess that's why I don't see it ending anytime soon. The key guys, and they've been fortunate to draft some of them. That's good on them. But they've also been smart to bring some of them in, like Stafford, uh, and Alan Robinson now and now Bobby Wagner and uh, all these guys are under control for two to three more years like I, I see this this current iteration of the Rams at least being very good for the next two to three.
2: Troy Reader is a free agent Ernest Jones uh, as a rookie struggled especially against the run so you imagine that Wagner is going
3: to had be a monster the best moment in the playoffs though what was that the 49ers game where he might have been one of the best players so I think they're excited about his development him and Bobby Wagner together a nice spicy. Spicy. Good
2: little uh, developing news there. Let's take a break and uh, continue on.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day.
1: begins
2: all right we're back yes we are in the era of trade everybody just make trades go crazy be part of the be part of the cool kids oh we have our best player oh let's trade him trade his ass that's cool that's fun so maybe now that the Seahawks have already done that, they traded. Uh, you think Russell it's like peer
3: pressure? That's
2: what I think so. I think the league is p- mostly driven by peer pressure. There's honest. something to that. Um, and now, because Devontae Adams moves uh, in a trade, uh, because Tyreek Hill moves in a trade, now the assumption is DK Metcalf's up for a contract. He'll be moved in a trade, and yet, Greg, you would think no, they won't do that. He's young and he's a stud, and they need to build around some players. You keep on hearing things from both Pete Carroll and John Schneider that make it feel like a trade might be
3: likely or perhaps probable in this situation. Yeah, this is one of the more mystifying stories of this offseason. First of all, Seahawks fans listening to them talk up a Drew Locke-Geno Smith quarterback battle. We'll get to that at the same time that Bobby Wagner's joining their division rivals and Russell Wilson's on the Broncos, and now this, that they might not be keeping D.K. Metcalf. Uh, It's tough offseason right now for Seahawks fans. Schneider brought this up, that the money for these wide receivers are just getting crazy And then you hear this stuff behind the scenes and you think, is an agent getting involved looking for the next right place for him? Because they both Pete Carroll and John Schneider at the owners meeting said it's their intent to bring back DK Metcalf. But like, why is that just an intent like that? It's a strange way to put it. And he said, well, we're having a normal offseason and it's part of the normal process and we'll look at everything. And that's weird. That's weird to me. It's the same words they used, by the way, for Russell Wilson, that they intended to keep Russell Wilson. They said that before the owners meet, I mean, before at the combine. Right. So it's very similar.
2: There, There's certain buzzwords when you hear them like, oh, okay. We hope. We Why would they
3: do this though? Keep, keep good players. I, right. mean, I don't. Uh, know.
2: That seems to be smart, but uh, you know they they are looking at their roster in a different way now. Speaking of Russell Wilson, yes, he's gone for the past couple of years. It's been Geno Smith, who has backed up the QB. He got some starts when uh, Russell Wilson suffered that finger injury. He's currently a free agent, uh, but uh, well, you know what? I think it's time for another episode. I think we're due. Hit it, Ricky.
5: And now
3: another edition of sipping on vino, checking on Gino.
2: Yes, Pete Carroll. He's trying to figure out who his quarterback is going to be, and, and he's thinking to himself, "Let's not rule out Gino Smith, just the just the way that Greg Rosenthal thinks before he goes to bed every night." And uh, I think it would be a shame if, if he misses this opportunity. This is he's, he's invested a lot with us. Uh, he knows our system the best. He performed well at it once he got going last year. You know, Kenny take off from where he finished up you know unfortunately you know the Jacksonville game was his last game and, and, and uh, it, it was almost a perfect football game for him you know and so um, we have very high hopes that he can run the system really well and uh, so I, he's not gonna miss the opportunity I can't imagine it's just too good for him. did you just do the like Bill Clinton like kind of a, a thumbs up like that's Unreal great
4: real head nod look at both of us like, like do g- you see this you see the I perfect
3: <laughs> Analytics uh, have suggested it's one of the great starts by any quarterback in the (laughs) last 20 years. So now now we know why they traded Russell Wilson. It's what the numbers say. Uh, Pete Carroll wants Geno. Gino does need to make sure in his agent that this deal does happen because he's he's probably not going to have many chances to compete to start. But it's funny how Carroll's just putting it out there so obviously. Just like, uh, the opportunity he's been waiting for has finally arrived. Like, he better come in there. And they're trying to probably structure a contract in a way that if he actually is the starter, that he gets compensated better for it. Uh, But he's got to be careful here. There are other quarterbacks out there. And uh, I don't know if he has much leverage. I don't, he's definitely not getting a chance to start anywhere else. I don't even I know don't if he get. I don't know a, if
2: he has much leverage. We do you know, Smith. <laughs>
3: well, you gotta at least be fair to your players. They clearly love him. They like him. They want him back. And they want. I know him you were
2: banging the drum on this one. About
3: how they DK do like Metcalf, it, You got to
2: admit. Oh, he couldn't stand Russell Wilson, and then uh, DK Metcalf comes out with an Instagram post that's a love letter to his now former uh, teammate. I'm
3: saying Pete Carroll likes Geno. They want to sign him. Yeah, but do you
2: trust 70 year old Pete Carroll to be making the right decisions
3: right now? No, no I, don't. I don't know. But um, but I, don't I know do, what's going I, on I do want this to to happen. It's been a weird off season. If they trade away DK Metcalf to your Jets, and Geno Smith is is starting Week One. Ooh, I, Someone pointed out to me too,
2: which I guess I knew, but you kind of get so used to the stuff that you forget that the trade offer that I pushed on Tuesday's show or Monday's show about the Jets sending the 10th overall pick to Seattle. That's the Jamal Adams first round pick. That's perfect. So Seattle would get back the pick that they, you know, it, maybe it would be maybe a tough pill for Seattle to swallow uh, to get back the pick that was theirs already. But anyway, that was a good ep. Good ep of, uh, you know what?
3: And that. Was another edition of
0: Sippin' on Vino, checking on Gino.
2: Good up, good up.
3: I mean, he I, I can't wait to see him starting games again. He's officially gonna outlast Rex Ryan's head coaching career, by the way. Now <laughs> if he makes matter. it one more year doesn't mean he's one more than Rex lasted <laughs> as a head coach.
2: Well and he's also gotta you know he's gotta handle some off the field issues, including a, a suspension. I think that could come down. He did have a DUI or a fairly gnarly. He did DUI. have a DUI.
3: Another reason why it doesn't feel like he has a lot of leverage in this. Situation.
2: No, I don't. I just don't see the Gino coasters having a ton of leverage right now. Um, in other quarterback news, Kyle Shanahan still has Trey Lance and Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. We got to talk to Baldy about that. This is big stuff um, on their roster. Um, and he's starting to get annoyed, Greggy, it seems, with the constant questions about Jimmy G and his
0: future. That's why we looked into trading Jimmy. I mean, because we obviously believe that Trey can be a starter, and we're ready to do that. But if uh, we can't up upgrade our team in another way, we're not just gonna get rid of a good quarterback because we have other quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, quarterbacks are really hard to come by. Some teams don't have any at all. When Jimmy gets his surgery, and um, we can't upgrade our team by getting some good picks until the surgery, until people feel good about that, I'm all right with that. I mean, we're not just getting rid of him to get rid of him. I mean, Jimmy's a good player that we all really like as a person and as a teammate, and we're gonna wait to see what. Helps the Niners the most.
2: I like the tone of his voice. It's that like, all right, dumbasses, I'm going to explain this to you for the last time. So listen up and listen closely and write down in your little notebooks everything I say. Then he just lays it out.
3: I, I think it's also um informed by the coaches and owners party. You you've been we've been to that party, Dan.
2: Oh, it's it's the it's night riotous. before
3: the interview, the press availability for Kyle Shanahan, and if you saw the, I don't know if you saw the video of this clip, but Kyle looked tired. He looked very tired and very annoyed, so you're waking up, maybe not on, you didn't get the best sleep in the world, mm-hmm. and you're mad at the world. And, by the way, this also might be a story that uh, pokes at some frizzers. in your organization between the GM, because supposedly the GM was saying that he got two second round picks offered for Jimmy G. I don't believe that. Uh, but, uh, this situation, I feel like, has been bumbled a little. Maybe maybe Kyle didn't get his quarterback in the last draft. Who
2: knows? You're still pumping yes. that uh, Mac Jones conspiracy theory. Yes, I am. Uh, yes, until we see Trey Lance thrive or fail, we don't know how this really is going to end up playing out. But, uh, yeah, it, they, he also said he acknowledged that the shoulder surgery for Jimmy G has kind of fouled things up, and I believe that. I think if Jimmy G came out of the season healthy enough to avoid um, the hospital they probably would have pulled this tr- trade off. And I still right. think someone moved, would have called, so. but they
3: were the same people. They were like, Oh, they you know, put out there, all these reports from insiders. I was like, well, I don't think the shoulder injury is going to impact uh, his trade value at all. I, I John Lynch, I've just kind of noted. They're a little too obvious about their like public positioning of, of all this stuff. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if Jimmy G is on this roster. I really wouldn't be totally stunned. Okay. All right. Maybe
2: they're a little obvious, but they nearly won the Super Bowl. A couple years ago, they had an injury wreck season and then they came within a fourth quarter collapse of going back to the Super Bowl.
3: Oh, yeah. They're doing a good job. Attempting to publicly create leverage for your quarterback. Not in a it's so not good like at. the biggest yeah. deal as GMs, though, either. I mean, it's not that important. All right. You want to do a little Scott Fitterer talk? I feel like he doesn't get enough pop. No, Pop. <laughs> I've never talked about him. All right. Who
2: is Scott Fitterer? Audience, I'm giving you a, a little window to respond to yourselves or whoever you're with right now. No, you're wrong. He's the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. He acknowledged this week that it would be a tough choice between grabbing one of the top um, blockers uh, or playmakers in this draft and and filling the quarterback spot, which obviously continues to be an issue. This is what Fitterer said, uh, according to the team's official website. This is kind of an interesting quote, Greg, so I'm going to read it in two parts. This will be interesting because the tackles will be the best players on the board But we do need a quarterback. And at some point, you have to take a shot, especially in the top 10. You hate to force it because when you force it, you could make a mistake. Okay, so part one. It sounds like they're doomed. <laughs> number one, uh, but that wasn't my point. Now, the second part is where he, I don't know. It's just like sometimes you wonder what's going on in Carolina and the people making the decisions. It's a unique quarterback class because there's not a clear number one, number two, number three, like who's the proven starter who can come in and play for you? That'll be the conversation we have for the next month, quarterback or left tackle. And we could always go pass rusher because Brian Burns is coming up. I mean, his contract. I mean, we'll do the option. But if that money gets out of hand, it's better to have somebody ready to go in the hopper. Like, what are we talking about? Here? Yeah, that's Why weird. Why are we talking so much? Don't talk
3: so much, Scott Fitterer. Uh, I think Brian both, Burns is like what? I think they're in a very similar situation to Atlanta, in that they passed on the quarterbacks last year. They could have draft, drafted Justin Fields. They could have drafted Mac Jones. Supposedly, Matt Rule love. Mac Jones, I mean Matt Rule kept telling us publicly that he loved Mac Jones. Everybody they, loves Mac Jones. They, they, decide, they decided to take JC Horn instead. He got hurt, so that was unfortunate. And now you're in this draft where it's like we kinda do have to take do something at <laughs> yes. quarterback. This is where you get into trouble. Right.
2: Which he alludes to, but he also says you kinda have to do something here. I'd be very nervous if it was uh, this this is maybe like when we get David Ealy in here. Um, because as a Panthers fan, this feels like a very dangerous moment in time because they tried to get Stafford, didn't work. Tried to get Watson, didn't work. Tried to go uh bring Cam back in, didn't work. Try to get Darnold, didn't work, and now what? That desperation. See, it's that desperation again.
3: You get Baker. I mean, they were talking about that they think Sam Darnold could be better in year two, but Mm-mm. I just I can't Man, I love I
2: I was the number one Darnold supporter. He could not put it together with the Jets and then got a clean slate last year. Still couldn't do it. Maybe there's some quality football in him, but they know they need to find another option there. Um, All right. In other news. Some personnel stuff. Saints. Malcolm Jenkins retires. He's a a linchpin for them for many years. Um, uh, Andy Dalton heads there. That's an interesting signing there. He becomes their number two quarterback behind James Winston, uh, most likely and Taysom Hill. Now it's over. No longer is he in this conversation as a quarterback. He is now going to be listed as a tight end and that's where he's going to do his work. So he's kind of doing the, the Tebow route, but in slow motion here.
3: I mean, it makes sense. And he'll have uh, the money that Sean Payton gave him and guarantees for the rest of his life. I mean, those two guys seem tight. Now he's one of the higher-paid tight ends in the NFL, Taysom Hill. I uh, I love the Dalton signing. You feel like you need a backup for Jameis Winston. And I just find it curious that uh, that Andy Dalton is added to this team at a time when they have more cap space than almost any team in the league. Like, this didn't go according to plan. Remember, remember how they were $90 million over yes. cap space? Cap, And they got rid of all of it and they got rid of even more so that they could fit in Deshaun Watson. Right. And they're like, we're just going to bring back all the same guys, except they didn't. They didn't bring back Teron Armstead. He's gone. He was great. Malcolm Jenkins, uh he was nearing his time, end of his time, but he was an effective player. So they're not as good as they were. uh And they have all this cap space. Something seems off. Maybe you bring in a honey badger at some point. I know, yeah. I know they signed Marcus May, but, like, you could have both of those guys. Yeah, I think Dennis Allen is thinking to himself right now, man, I came so close.
2: Now, they were going to, just like the Browns are, they would take a beating uh, for getting involved with Watson, but he would have put them on a path uh, toward contention. Now they're kind of stuck in the woods a little bit here. And look, at here's a man. He's he's done things in the woods. He's, he's uh, wrestled alligators uh, in the Amazon. He's climbed mountains. And now he sits in the big chair for the Around the NFL podcast. Welcome back, Brian Baldinger. What's
3: up, Baldinger? Hey, guys. how wow, are you, That man? was se- seamless. I was starting to stutter over my words talking about the Andy Dalton <laughs> signing because wow. I saw Baldinger baldy on the other side you guys of are class. like doing
5: real big news huh? well we were getting to we we're getting to
3: the very end of it but okay. we were there was some saint we yeah. haven't talked saints yeah, sure. in a I little understand. while and yeah. baldy was trying to figure out how to get into the studio i was it is, i've it never is been confusing. here before i've it never is, been
5: invited before so. this is the
3: chris wesseling podcast studio so oh, welcome
5: no uh, so it's, it's uh it's an honor it's an honor.
3: It's great to have you, Baldy.
2: Yeah, we're at the you know, at the bottom of the cup of coffee where you see some of the grind in it. That's where we are on the news. <laughs> the coffee grind. Yeah, we are. The
5: eggshells. Yeah, yes.
2: We are the final news item because we have uh, Baldy on the podcast. We call them sandwich props. We're different wagers, and if you win it, you get a sandwich. You lose it. You got to pay out a well, sandwich.
5: What kind of sandwiches are we talking about?
2: Great question. It depends really where... We, well, now they become hypothetical. I mean, I come from the land of hoagies. Yeah. yeah, for, for so. most
3: people, it's like non-existent, but we used to be near a deli. I bring in burritos. So it's not even a sandwich, but they're right. they're very no. tasty. Yeah. All right, one more break, and then we'll finish up
2: the
0: show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring
1: Begins.
2: So I have wagered a sandwich against uh, Greg that Antonio Brown will be back in the league at some point in 2022. And that was before the report connected to TMZ that Antonio Brown wants everyone to know. And I am not very happy about this in my sandwich prop here. Okay. He wants everyone to know. I will not get surgery on my ankle until someone signs me. It's like, okay, well, what's
5: the point? Like, I don't what, know. Like, why I would you like just it. get, like, you just don't want to go through rehab uh, if i don't get signed because you know I mean, we're we're starting to get into the off season here where you know have to start working together with some of these people i i i follow antonio a little bit on social media i have no idea what he's doing it it looks just very bizarre to me.
3: you're a much better follow you have a lot of like jumping off of cliffs in in tropical locations yeah i mean I, you know antonio I, I, a I, I,
5: I like adventures
3: he like, he does too but not Not necessarily safe ones or I've seen him catch a football. He's not going to be back in the league. I feel good about this. How could a team give him a job again? Baldy, is he going to play another down in the NFL?
5: Well, talent usually wins out, you know, but I can't see. I mean, you just can cross out certain teams right now. It's a deep draft and wide receivers. Uh, I, I can't see that taking place right now. I mean, you go through the, the the teams that are trying to rebuild, you know, the Jets, I mean, the usual suspects. Yeah, bring, that, him like, bring him in. Bring him in
3: the Jets. <laughs> that's, that's not going to fly. I need a leader in the you locker know, room.
5: You know, Detroit, uh, you know, just go through the teams trying to rebuild here. That's not going to work. The I almost teams feel the bad top.
3: making Baldy talk about Antonio Brown. This is the gr- the coffee grinds, yeah. as you We're said. We're in the this grinds. This is the bottom. Let's, let's get yeah, there. Let's we have get breaking news stuff. here. What do we got? We got Bobby, Bobby Wags.
2: Sure. We did just we talk that about earlier. that a little okay. bit, but I
5: would like to hear it? your thoughts. Well, you know, I was just I was just breaking him down. I was gonna do a little breakdown on Bobby. I'm a big fan. And um, you know, he has like Seattle owned San Francisco last year. So you think about, okay, going to the Rams, mm. their chief Nemesis is the 49ers in that division. Uh, Up until the playoffs, the 49ers have pretty much had their way with them. But if you watch Bobby Wagner's games, like he went against Trey Lance and had some good plays against him. They saw it's a different offense when Trey Lance was in it. So they defended the run pretty good when he was in there. And then, you know, first pass of the game against Jimmy Garoppolo, week 13, he intercepts it. Uh, I just think like this guy has rare... Not just skills, but like rare insight and instincts for the game that would help any team. Like, I feel like I've watched games this year where, like, he, I felt like he was coaching Jordan Brooks during right, the play. Right. During the play. Like, you're in the wrong place. Like, you got to see this faster. Like, now Jordan Brooks led the league in solo tackles last year. Like, that's Bobby Wagner's influence right there.
3: Now he can do it with with Ernest Jones. With
5: Ernest Jones, perhaps. And I
3: do, and he's from L.A. I I think it's overrated of like uh, players want to play in a certain city or not. But this is an example of like he. It sounded like he wanted to come to the Rams, and he helped make it happen. And that doesn't that doesn't happen too often. It doesn't,
5: Greg. But I feel like the building of these super teams is now much more commonplace than we ever saw, and we're starting to see it. And so teams are. Players are kind of directing themselves towards things. I think he'd love to play for Raheem, you know Raheem, and I think he'd love to play for McVeigh and play with AD and some of these guys right now. Isn't
3: like, it, like a, it a human thing too? You're in the middle of this Hall of Fame career. You've accomplished so much. Like a new challenge and a, and seeing what it's like in another franchise that that can reinvigorate you. Just like a, if you're a great player, like back that. the clock, see. Yeah, I, I like that. And it's interesting you you mentioned the Super Team. So that is
2: fully. Uh, in the NFL now and you could say that LeBron started Mm it perhaps in 2010 with a decision and going to the Miami Heat. Yeah. And I wonder if when we look back at our sports century, remember when ESPN did those at the end of the 90s, we'll look back at what happened with LeBron and see that changed sports in a lot of ways because it does feel like these players, these star players in the NFL who have never more, had more leverage are now dictating the terms mm. of how they want to handle, especially the veterans in the back end of their career when they still have good. Well, not skin. even on
5: the back end. I mean, Jalen Ramsey wanted out That's of Jacksonville. Jalen Ramsey got out of Jacksonville. I mean, he was he wasn't even beginning his career. He, you know, they went to a Super Bowl like he was their star player. He could line up on Antonio Brown. You Took a lot of
3: heat him. from this guy, Dan. I remember. Uh, well, I time. thought he quit on his team a little bit. He might yeah.
5: look whatever. I mean, some players are going to do whatever they have to do to get out out of the building. And maybe some of that took place. There were certainly some attitude things that had to be adjusted. But, like, these players, you know, like, like maybe I, – I don't know. I don't have any intel. But if Kyler Murray wants to get out of Arizona, is there a landing spot for Kyler Murray? I don't know. But, you know, I think – I feel like players now are truly free agents. Like, there was free agency since 1993. But now players feel like, especially if you're a great player or you have potential to be a great player, like, you can – kind of dictate your terms right now
3: well this the sports century thing is really interesting like one that's that's somewhat optimistic even I, i'm glad like the environmental apocalypse hasn't ended everything before then so that's good but we will be gone most likely so how let's say the nfl network yes. did it did a, a a show about it that you know the previous century of the nfl where does the around the nfl podcast get mentioned
2: well we haven't even begun to write our story greg all right, I so like that. That's the way I spend. it. Good.
5: I always feel like, you know, it's not an appropriate. Like John Madden <laughs> passes this year, and you can't sure. write the history of about eight different things without mentioning John Madden. Yeah. So that's how I think you should think about around the yes. NFL. Like, if, like, if like they, in they did a kind of like century terms.
3: on the podcast group, at the NFL. We're definitely front and center there. All right, sure. We'll we'll take that.
2: (laughs) By the way, Jalen Ramsey arrived at uh, Jaguars training camp in 2019 in an armored truck uh, (laughs) demanding a new contract. That was an interesting little error for him. Now, Baldy on big stuff, okay? (laughs) We're just getting going. Baldy
3: on the big stuff. Big stuff.
2: I'm curious, we talked Bruce Arians earlier, um, uh, we, Greg, and I were mostly on the same page, but I wondered if Arian's success, how much was contributed to his style of coaching and his aggressive nature, to connecting with Big Ben in his prime, then Carson Palmer, and then Tom Brady. Um, how much do you think Arian's exiting the picture could change things for the Bucks?
5: Well, I think um, you know the, he he's built a culture there. There's a reason why Tom Brady went there, and it wasn't just Arians. I mean. That they had been drafting really well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They had a lot of really talented receivers already in place. So and the the structure for the offensive line was was there, especially when they when they hit gold on Tristan Wirse. So I think Brady kind of these guys do their homework. But I feel like, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, built a culture. And now we get to see Todd Bowles with a really good team. We saw him with a team that was in transition, that became just an ugly mess in New York. Now we get to see him with the, really the pressure on him, like to, you know he's expected to get deep into the playoffs as the head coach. Can he can he fulfill that, and can he keep this team that has all of this talent and all these expectations? Can he keep them on the rails for eighteen weeks? It's really
3: crazy to think about how they played. They were quite injured, and they played their worst three quarters of the season by far. I mean, they were getting crushed. And in the end, they lost by three points to the Super Bowl champs. They were yeah. right there at the end. How about uh, the
2: Tyreek Hill move? There has been a lot of um, speculation here. The trade to the Dolphins and gets this massive contract. People saying, oh, but this Tua's game isn't a good match with Tyreek's game. Are you concerned about that as someone who studies
5: tape? as well as anyone baldy on the big stuff big stuff well i think that uh the pressure is on mike mcdaniel to make this <laughs> Good work. Job, Greg. <laughs> i'm just trying to brand this <laughs> I, I think the pressure really is on mike <laughs> mcdaniel to make this all work you got all these components um you know they're uh you know on paper they're you know paper lions right now and so he's got a factor in Tua and any sort of shortcomings you think he has. I think he's good in the short passing game. There's been a lot of short passes, long runs from Tyreek, from Patrick Mahomes over the last five years. So I think all that can still be in place, along with Jalen Waddle and Gesicki and what they have there. So I think it's up to Mike McDaniel to make this work right now.
3: What about giving up, all like as a team building process, you think giving up all those picks for – for Hill specifically, well, they for any only, wide receiver, they've
5: had a lot of picks. Greg, the last two years, they they were awful with their picks. You know, sure. where there was Austin Jackson. I mean, you know, you could give a lot of teams a lot of picks, and they can screw it up really fast. That's what I feel like the Dolphins did. And
3: they did. They got him for Tunsell. I mean, I would still like it. to
5: have Laramie Tunsell there at left tackle. Right. You wouldn't have because, like, when you make a mistake in the draft, it never goes away, right? You overpay in free agency. That's why Teron Armstead is there. If they just stayed with Laramie Tunsel, <laughs> who's a great point. player. That's a great point. Like, you would never get to Teron Armstead. You'd have Laramie Tunstall.
3: Be- before moving on from this one, though, as a former NFL guard, how many years did you play? Twelve. Twelve years. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a manly man, you know, just sitting next to me. I am I'm, I'm intimidated. Chills. I'm intimidated. Yeah. Mike McDaniel is your head coach. Yes cuts a different figure, has a different vibe even when he speaks than a different, than most head coaches I've ever seen. Uh-huh. How, how would you respond as, as a player? How do you think he would go over in the offensive line room?
5: Yeah, you know, like um, I've had a lot of different offensive line coaches like Dante Scarnecchia was my coach. Now Dante was a big part of all the success mm-hmm. they had in New England. But when you listen to Dante, I was, you know, like he, he sounded like a physics professor to me hmm. when he was in front of the room. You know, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, he's just an Ivy League guy, you know, this uh, Eli from Yale. But I, I think, Mike, you have to listen to Mike. Like, he's like that nerd that you want to befriend. Okay. You know, like there's some nerds that are just staying on the other side of the room. <laughs> I don't want any part of you. And, but then there's the nerds that are like cool nerds. Right. Like, this right. is the revenge of the nerds. You know, that's, that's what I feel like you get with Mike. Right. You know,
3: that's what you want to be. That's what I that's the lane I was angling for as a kid. The, one of the cool nerds. Who? But you're making it clear to him that we think you're a nerd as a player. Still, Yeah.
5: No, yeah. look, I, I remember in eighth grade, I hung out with these nerds that read Scientific <laughs> American. And they, they were determined to build their own laser. And I thought like I was playing <laughs> basketball and football and baseball, this stuff in eighth grade. But I thought it was cool that they wanted to build a laser. And I spent an hour every day in the library Trying to research wow. this. Yes. This
3: would be a whole good Bal- Baldy episode. Baldy on Nerds. Well, that's the thing about Baldy. Uh, he's not
2: ogre. Remember ogre from Revenge of the Nerds? <laughs> like you are intellectually curious, and you could you could shake hands in both aisles. Yeah. We might need you uh, in the well. White
5: it would out. be interesting so, to see so. what what Kyle Shanahan is like without Mike McDaniel. I am.
1: Ooh, I think you hit on. Wow. Ooh,
2: that's okay. Awesome. You've hit on something interesting there too, as well, because your career Baldy ended after the '93 season. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a big difference now in terms of a, a, a McDaniel figure? How he would uh, fit in now compared to 30 years ago?
5: Um, no, nah, I think coaches, you know, either they can coach and get their information across, or they can't. Like I remember, remember Al Gro. Yeah, yeah. So Al Groh was, you know, he Son was
3: probably the top personnel guy with the Patriots. They won't really tell us who is, but okay. But yeah. you know, Al is like I
5: Patricia. Al was in one of my brother's weddings. I've known Al forever. He came to a football camp of mine along Island one time when he was with the Jets, and he put the kids to sleep talking about some of the things he was talking yeah. about. But this is this is a great football mind. Like, on that day, in that camp, Al Groves put these kids to sleep. But
3: maybe that speaks to his struggles. Because Belichick, I, I've read all the books on Belichick, but the, the one by Halbersham is great. Uh, the yes. Education yeah, the of book. a Coach. Yeah. and. Belichick was intimidated going into this NFL locker room initially. He mm-hmm. he, bare, he played at a D3 mm-hmm. level. played But he said it,
5: it got Jerry Glanville he, a lot of diet coaches. Right. He Detroit. found
3: out quickly. <laughs> he found out quickly from a couple big guys that he was intimidated from. If I can give them one piece of information that, that makes them better that day in practice they won't care if I'm the dorkiest guy in the room because I'm helping them make money and help them do their job well and as long as I'm giving it then they're not gonna worry about, you know, but everything I, I,
5: else. I remember I spent an off-season in Buffalo when Marv Levy was there. And, you know, like I remember James Lofton used to sit in the front row. And James Lofton, part of his charm was whenever Marv would drop a word that was just way too big for the <laughs> room, James would turn around and he would give, like, the meaning <laughs> of the word, you know? And so, like, because Marv could... He could, he could speak right over your head. He was a very bright guy, McGill University, all this stuff. But, like, Marv was a nerd, but here he is taking Buffalo to four-state championship. I mean, Bruce Smith listened to Marv, you know, and, you know, that Jim Kelly listened to Marv. Um, he had their attention. He came out of the CFL, um, but yet he was a great NFL coach.
2: Hmm. How about two big veteran quarterback changes, shifts in the AFC Russell Wilson to Denver, Matt Ryan to Indy. Uh, How good do you feel about both those spots, one more than the other?
5: Baldy on the Big stuff. I think both teams are playoff teams this year. Uh, I'm a big fan of Nathaniel Hackett. um, When you can uh, make Blake Bortles – a you know AFC uh, championship level quarterback, uh, that's that's good coaching. Mm. I, I I'm a big fan. So I think he I think him and Russell are going to be a good a good meeting of the minds, and I I can't think of a better spot for Matt Ryan to be in than Indianapolis. Like I think it's just him and Frank Reich are going to hit the ground running, and that's going to be a really good football.
3: What did you see from Matt Ryan on on tape last year? I remember I did one segment with you of the QB index on NFL now during the seasons where you literally ripped up the rankings because you thought they were so I bad. That. I was pretty high I on Ryan that. for most of the season. I thought he played well. And if he got any protection whatsoever, he could still do all ripped up your rankings on, he live did. Television. on live TV. He ripped them up. He thought
5: it was good theater. No, I, I, thought I appreciate it. Yeah, but
2: you, know. you, you understood too,
5: that,
3: that, was going to hurt him. No, I love it. And I like that. I loved it.
5: No, well, uh, I, I took it as a sign of respect. Some, it is a sign of respect. Yeah, I, yeah that's how like, I would take it Like, i got enough well. attention to look at his list. Right. Like, some people had, probably would know what? just dismiss I, it. What,
3: the two things you were mad about was Mac Jones was too low and Rodgers was too low. You he were right. too low. You he, were right. You respected like, your list like, enough to rip you it in knew he half. was going to win the MVP. <laughs> I just meant it was good theater. It was good promotion <laughs> for the for my my content. No,
5: I think Matt Ryan, I I to answer your question, I thought Matt Ryan looked like Matt Ryan to me without a lot of help around him. Right? Like, I remember week one, they played the Eagles week one, I think. And, you know, they're down on the four-yard line, and Kyle Pitts isn't on the field, and I was trashing, like, Arthur Smith. Because, like, how can you have this generational talent not on the field when that's exactly what he's supposed to thrive in? Like, put him in the red zone, let him go jump 40 inches to go get the ball against the Eagles, whatever it was. And so I didn't feel like, you know, there was a lot of help there. And, you know, the good thing about Matt is he never complains. Uh, he's the ultimate professional. But he's going to be on a good football team. Too. And
3: when he was good, he was really good last year. Well, there were some games he was sensational. We were at the London game. We were on the field. I know that was against the Jets. But he was taking a lot of pressure. And you could just see how he was well on he could with navigate, everything. Yeah, navigate the pocket. Movement. And he, everything was into a tiny window. Yeah. And he nailed it.
5: Yeah, Matt, 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 Matt's, I mean, like, I, I was there doing the Falcon preseason games when he got signed in 2008 with Mike Smith, and they turned that thing around. But, like, you know, they didn't give him the job. He earned the job during training camp, and they had a plan. And then he hit the he hit the field running in 2008. He's the MVP of the league in 2015. I think he's had a great career, but unfortunately... He has played in Atlanta, where there's not a lot of attention. You could, The the local Friday night high school game gets more attention than a lot of the Falcon games did, unfortunately. But in Indianapolis, where Peyton put football on the map, um, he's going to get a lot of attention, and he's going to have a chance to do what they thought Carson Wentz was supposed to do.
2: All right, two more quick ones. The year two QBs, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Who are you highest on entering year two, and who are you worried about?
5: I think I'm, I'm, I'm high on Zach Wilson. I think yeah, Joe, I think, I, I think Joe Douglas is Big doing a good stuff. job. Uh, I think Makai Beckton can get into shape. Like just get off of the Domino's pizza, you know, like <laughs> Domino's whatever he's doing at midnight with Domino's, like if you can get him off that train, like, and Mackay can play left tackle the way he did for is most of the Is that what you're hearing
3: game. is the issue? Well, it it has been. Everybody's He he looks like 10 pounds
5: of stuff and five pounds of stuff, you know, like last year. Like, if he's in shape and Mackay can play, like, this is going to be a good offensive line. They're going to be a good offense. The guy I'd be worried about is just Trey Lance. You know, because I think there's so much expectations that the 49ers are still a deep playoff team. And we'll we'll, we'll find out if Garoppolo plays, doesn't play, gets straight or whatever. But, you know, it looks like they're ready to turn things over to him. And he just hasn't played a lot of football. And so... Mm -hmm. How's that going to translate? And can he, in big games, make five or six great throws to win those games,
3: I love. I love. Yeah. It's just like a, a spin the wheel of Baldy. You give him any topic, and he's got some good story. Whether it's Matt Ryan's rookie season doing the preseason, I brought up Mac Jones to you in the newsroom, and you mentioned a conversation. We can take this out if you don't want it to be no, public. No, no. It's not live. Uh, that you said you noticed how he was zoning out a lot at the, on the sidelines, and he told you he was practicing meditation. That's yeah.
5: that's breaking news. Well, I don't know if it's breaking news, but I, <laughs> I I, I, know, I'm but curious. That. Like I'm, Big I'm a stuff. deep meditator. Like I'm a, a yoga. I'm a yogi. So we meditate. But, you know, like, that's kind of the look that we have when we're just in a namaste. For, but I've never seen a player right. just go into, a like, a, a meditative state during a game. I
3: thought, yeah, he, he almost looked like he was just zoning like out I, and not think, listening to McDaniel. Like, I'll never
5: forget. Well, sometimes, like, <laughs> McDaniels sitting there right next to him. But I'll never forget this one sequence <laughs> last against left? the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Like, you remember that game against Dallas, right? Sure. So, Greg, so he throws a pick six. Trayvon Diggs takes it to the house. The Cowboys take the lead. He comes back onto the field after his meditation and throws a 75-yard touchdown pass on the next play to take the lead right back. Like, that's an example of just, you know, tabula rasa, just, you know, cleaning the slate. And that's what you can do in that spot.
2: And how about that? That is a glowing endorsement of Mac Jones by Baldy. And yet, Greggy, he said it was Zach Wilson that he's most excited. I'm, about a, I'm
3: not too. worried. We had our Mac Jones. We're both, you know, very
2: high ceiling. Uh, and finally... Because Baldy could talk anything, and he probably knows both these men personally, so perhaps he can give us some insight. (laughs) The slap, Will Smith, Chris Rock, your take. We want your unvarnished take on what went down. Was
5: it the 93rd Academy Awards? I think it was the 93rd. (laughs) Like, unfortunately, for the next 93 years, we're going to have to see or hear. So, like, it's going to live in infamy. And that's unfortunate for Will Smith. I felt bad for Chris Rock. He's making a joke. He's a comedian. That's what he does. Um, I thought it was uh, misplaced temper by Will Smith.
2: Mm. And do you know either man personally?
5: I don't. No, I don't. I mean, Will Smith is, you know, he's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He's, he's a Philadelphia, you know, he's one of our own. Born and raised. Yes. So That's you know.
3: Baldy on the biggest of stuff.
2: Uh, the only Astros. thing Baldy got wrong here, it is the 94th. Academy, it's the 94th. It's not the 93rd. But okay. otherwise, you've said it all. Baldy, you're <laughs> uh, a that, busy that, man. We always love that. having you on the show. And the yeah. first time in the Chris Wrestling Podcast yes. video. Thank you, my man. I
5: appreciate it, man. Thanks.
2: All right.
3: Thanks, Baldy. We're done. Yeah, that was perfect. He rolled in and and, uh, we're ending the show. Anything we need to add, Ricky, before we say goodbye?
4: No, you guys crushed it. Absolutely
5: Uh crushed it. Did we? Yeah. It was fun. Do you always no. say that to them? Like, do they I always don't crush actually. it? No, I really like, don't. Do they ever not crush it?
4: Yes. Yeah. Oh, a hundred times. And what do you
5: say when they don't?
4: I just say, do you oh,
5: like come in like Chris Rock and just slap them or what? Yeah,
4: yeah, I actually do. I actually do.
2: <laughs> I thought Greg was a little presumptive with some of that. We're going to be part of the sports century of NFL media stuff. Right. Kind of. of. It
3: was a like, joke. It was a joke. You know. I know you don't like to think about your mortality, but hey, we gotta, we gotta all face our maker at some. point. Hey, listen.
2: I live life like Baldy. Listen. You're only on the marble for a few spins. I mean, if Live I could jump up.
5: in a shark cage right now, I would. Me and Bob, yeah, but I'm going to go do a Bobby Wagner breakdown right now. There All he right. goes. Yeah. Thank Brian you, Bobby. Balls.
2: Yep. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, of course, with the Around the NFL broadcast on NFL Network. Uh, so make sure you check that out. And then, uh, and Mark, by the way, he he promised uh, via text that he would be back for the television show. So yeah. There's a sell. All right. That's it. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to Baldy. As Dan Hans is signing off for The Old Boss, Ricky Hollywood, Randy Chavez, Behind the
5: Glass,
2: The grave Digger. Baldy's funny, huh? he's the man that got He's the call.
0: irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you
4: what's up y'all janice torres here
0: and i'm austin hankwitz
4: we're the hosts of mind the business small business success stories a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's ruby studios and intuit quickbooks
1: begins.